Uh, we're calling it Crowbar and Hammer Sunday. <laughs> and if you would like to help us, uh, we're going to be tearing the top part of the stage off. Um, our stage is going to be a little bit lower, and it's all going to be one level with uh, an addition on it. And uh, so uh, if you'd like to help us this Sunday after our service, you're welcome to come, and you say, well, I don't use a hammer or a crowbar, but you can come and cheer us off. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would love for you to come and uh, be a part of that and help us uh, tear down the stage, so that's available uh, this Sunday. And uh, coming up this Friday for the ladies, uh, it's going to be woven at 6 p.m. Uh, women of Victory. we got some women of victory in the house tonight. Yeah. Enjoy new life. Yeah. Amen. And uh, next week will be the 25th. We will not be having Wednesday night refreshing next week. It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. That gives you extra time with your family. And uh, so we will not be having uh, Wednesday Wednesday night refreshing next week. And uh, on uh, next Tuesday, we have our youth group with our new youth pastors, Nelson and Nadine Rhodes. We're excited about that. And uh, they're doing a great and wonderful job. Um, Amen. And I believe that that is all the announcements that we have. And uh, I want to read a scripture to you in uh, Psalm 35. Psalm 35, verse 27. And uh, the King, the, the, the New King James says... Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. How many are excited about God's cause? Or you, uh, you come to his defense... Or you favor his righteousness. Or you favor his vindication. Or you, um, I'm just reading some other translations here. Uh, Let's see. But you know, God is looking for some people who favor his righteous cause. What does that mean? You participate in his cause. Amen? He's looking for participants in his cause so that he can take pleasure in your prosperity. Anyone that participates in his cause, he takes pleasure in your prosperity. How many know God is pleased about our prospering? And the way we do that is by giving to him. And uh, if you're watching online, we just want to say welcome to you. And you can uh, give and be a part of it. You know, I heard a long time ago that... um, What you sow into, you reap from. And the anointing you sow into, you reap from. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, we got lots of people that favor God's righteous cause. I mean, this isn't my cause, right? This is God's cause. This is God's building. We are God's people. This is God's property. Amen? And uh, he just... uh, He wants to take some pleasure in your prosperity. So you can give any time. 
during the service, and you can give online. Go to our website, bcfpa.org, and uh, you can take care of that. Father, I just thank you that every gift and every giver, Lord, who favors your righteous cause, Lord, I just thank you that they are blessed abundantly, super provided for, overflowing in every area of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, are you ready for the word this evening? For the next, for our last five Wednesdays, God put it on my heart this week that we're going to have here as Wednesday, part of Wednesday Night Refreshing, we're going to have a class called Faith for Miracles. How many could use a miracle? Amen? Um, we're not to live by miracles, but we're certainly excited and expecting when they happen. Amen? And, uh, you know, sometimes we get into a place in life where we're overwhelmed or we feel like uh, the situation is too big or too complex. And Well, that means you're a prime candidate for God's wonder-working power to do great and mighty things. So um, let's get into this uh, subject uh, you ready, class? Yeah. You got your ears on? Yeah. You got your heart open? Yeah. You're receptive yeah. and ready to receive the Word? Yeah. Inspired by the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Alright? We're going to begin by going to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight I'm going to lay the foundation... And then we're going to build on the foundation. How many know if you're going to build, you've got to have a good foundation? Amen. Right? And uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, says this. This is uh, King James. It says, now faith is. I want you to say, say now. now. Faith is. Faith is. Whatever you believe God for... In this moment, it is. Amen? Amen? Faith is always in the now. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is not. Alright? Now faith is. What is it? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to give this to you in a montage of translations. I'm not going to name the translations, but I'm just going to give you the words. Um, faith is evidence, confidence, substance, assurance. It's the title deed. It's trust in God. Amplified says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, or the confirmation. How many need a confirmation? Amen? Of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed. You know, God is a divine guarantor. His, he puts his guarantee on whatever he said. Whatever God said, it, he'll bring it to pass. Amen? Amen. And uh, it's the conviction of our reality. Faith is our conviction of our reality. God's Word translation says, Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. You, God, 
what God said. You can be convinced even if you don't see it. Because he said it, that's what convinces him. It's based on his character. It's based on his nature. And then uh, the Passion Translation says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Are you longing for something tonight? Faith is the foundation needed to acquire it. It's the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. And then I found this, it's called the voice. It says, faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for. It's the absolute conviction that there are that there are realities you've never seen. Amen? So, we're going to look at miracles. Because our God is a miracle worker. So we're going to lay the foundation, and then we're going to look at miracles in four areas. We're going to look at miracles of provision, where God uh, brought a divine supply supernaturally. We're going to look at miracles of deliverance, where God's power came and delivered people out of a tough situation. Amen? And we're going to look at miracles of victory, where God brought about the utter defeat of an enemy. And we're going to look at uh, miracles of healing. Amen? And uh, so what is a miracle? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Alright? What is a miracle? It's an event that so overrides what observers understand to be natural law that it creates wonder and serves as evidence of God's active intervention in earth. It's an event that overrides what we understand as natural law. It breaks barriers. It exceeds limits. Amen? It, it can override natural law. Miracles occur that people may know the power of the Lord and witness Christ as Messiah. Jesus often said that his works that he did prove who he was or who he is. You know, because he's not, he doesn't cease to exist. Okay? Miracles are linked to God's revelation of his covenant name which he gave to Moses when he said, I am. What does that mean? I am ever presently with you. I am what you need, want, desire. I am, I am what you need in the moment. I am. He told Moses, tell the people, I am that I am. Amen? And guess what? If God says he is I am, no one can say he was. Because his word is established forever in eternity. 
Everything that he is, he is. He never stopped being something. Right? If he was the healer of the Old Testament, he's the healer of the New Testament. If he's the deliverer of the Old Testament, he's the deliverer of the New Testament. Right? He is I am. So miracles emphasize. They point to him. You know? Anytime a miracle occur, occurs, you just say, he did it. Right? <coughs> Miracles show that God is present with his people in power. Uh, when, when a miracle happens, it shows that God is present with us in power. Right? Power for the hour. Miracles do not produce faith by themselves. But they are supernatural events that awaken your focus. They uh, miracles compel attention. If miracles produced faith, then Pharaoh's heart would have changed when he saw a miracle. But it didn't. If miracles would have produced faith, then all the Israelites would not have disbelieved God when they experienced the miracles. Right? What what brings faith? Where do we get faith? Hearing what? Notice the Bible didn't say faith comes from miracles. But when we hear the word about miracles, faith can come to our heart to increase our expectancy of miracles. Amen? Miracles are good. They're not only good, they're great. They're wonderful. They're incredible. Amen? I've received miracles, and I've seen miracles, and I know that I know that I know that they exist. Okay? Miracles help bring people... To make a choice between faith and unbelief. When God does a miracle, people have an opportunity to believe God. Amen? Or to not believe God. Did you know that God never makes anybody believe Him? He just presents His Word, and whatever we do with it, that's up to us. Amen? Miracles remind us of how great God is. Don't we serve a great God? He is wonderful. He's all-powerful. They show God's character. And then they show His loyalty to His covenants. And miracles show us that He loves us. Amen? Alright? Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 for a moment. And then we're going to go to the book of Judges. And we're going to look at one story tonight, the story of Gideon, and how that relates to miracles. But I want you to go to Galatians chapter 3 for a moment. Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 2. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. And Paul is writing to this church. 
And he said, this only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? How many have received the Spirit by the works of the law? Can I see any hands? How many have received uh, the Spirit by the working of faith? Amen? We re- how do we receive from God? By faith, right? Having belief in God, trust in God, right? You, you trust in what he, what he said, okay? Then he goes on. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you, na- are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you. I want you to notice, where do miracles occur? Among you. Miracles work where people are. Especially God's people. Amen? God wants miracles to work among you. Therefore, he that ministers to you. Am I ministering to you tonight? I'm ministering to you the Spirit. This is something that the Holy Spirit put on my heart to communicate to you. Amen? I did not sit down and say, oh, I think this is going to be a good idea. No, God put this on my heart very strong, actually. And works miracles among you. Does Does he do it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? How many think it's by the works of the law? How many think it's by the hearing of faith? You guys get an A in the class already. I want you to see how faith is connected with miracles. This is why we call this class Faith for Miracles. Amen? I didn't call it Faith in Miracles. It's Faith for Miracles. Okay? Our faith should be in God. Our faith should not be an event in something that He does here and there. Our faith should be in God because God's a constant. Okay? Even as Abraham believed God, did he did Abraham experience some miracles? Yeah, having a baby when he's a hundred and Sarah's ninety, that's a miracle. He did that by believing God. The miracle came about in Abraham's life because he believed God. Sarah believed God. And when they believed God, their belief in God changed something in their bodies. Abraham's seed got resurrected. Sarah's womb got resurrected. All of a sudden, life came that wasn't there. The life in her womb had gone, right? But when she believed God, the Bible says in Hebrews, she received strength to conceive. Not only she, listen, she carried that baby for nine months. She nursed that baby at 90. Why? That's how powerful God's power worked. Because of faith. Alright? And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith. Are you of faith? You've been cut out of the, of the faith mold. 
Right? Who's the mold of faith? Jesus. Right? He entered into your heart by faith, and he gave you the faith that you have, and by the same faith that he has, we can do what he did. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. That means we are children poised to receive miracles. Hallelujah. Okay? So let's go to the book of Judges. And we're going to look at this story of Gideon, which talks about uh, miracles. Alright? And he issues a great question about why miracles aren't happening. And God gives him the answer. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who gives answers? He doesn't leave us in the dark. He doesn't leave us wondering. But when you seek God, you will find Him. Okay? Now, we're going to start at verse 13, but then we're going to go back up to verse 1. Okay? So Judges 6.13. Well, we better start at 11. (laughs) Judges 6.11. Okay? There came an angel of the Lord. Now this was Jesus himself. How do we know this? Because of the conversation that Gideon has with him. And he receives worship. If the, if the angel rejects worship, he's not Jesus, he's an angel. But if the angel of the Lord receives worship, it's Jesus before he was Jesus. I just made your mind go, whoa. Before he gave There came an angel of the Lord under an oak tree, which was at Orphah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon. Threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So, the, we already see that God has taken a notice of this man named Gideon. And the angel is sitting under the tree watching him. Say, God is watching you. And verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and said unto him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of God. Do you know? That when you have the revelation of God is with you, there's nothing you can't do. How many are confident that God is with you? How many are assured of that God is with you? How many are for certain that God is with you? That you have faith for miracles. This is the Lord talking to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, and he calls him a mighty man of valor. Then Gideon said unto him, Did you know that you can have a conversation with the Lord? He's the best conversationalist you'll ever speak with. Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles? 
fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Okay? This word for miracles, it is the word pala, P-A-L-A. And it means to be surpassing extraordinary. Okay? It means an extraordinary degree. It means fulfill a special. It means to make wonderful. It means marvelous. It means something that seems hard and you show your power. It's something that's too difficult, but you make it wonderful. It's a wonderful act. So he asks a genuine question. There were some things that were happening in Israel. They were being oppressed. They were being stolen from. And this was occurring for seven years. Okay? And it was too big of a problem for them to correct themselves. Okay? And Gideon didn't know why this was happening. Alright? And uh, the Lord is talking with him. And uh, he, um, he has this conversation. Okay? And in verse 14... The Lord looked upon him. See, miracles occur because the Lord's presence is with you. See, miracles flow out of his presence. Okay? So because God showed up, Gideon didn't know it, but God was about to do a miracle. Alright? Anytime God shows up, if he shows up in the service, God's about to do a miracle. Because miracles flow out of His presence. Alright? So when we worship the Lord and, and we uh, stir up His presence, you know, God is everywhere, but it's not manifested everywhere. Right? Because not everybody believes in Him. Not everybody accepts Him. Not everybody welcomes Him. So even though He exists everywhere, He's not manifested everywhere. But when you believe in when when one person believes in him, he's there. Amen. He said, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Say, God is in my midst. Ooh, he's in the midst. Okay? So his presence produces miracles. And the Lord already said, The Lord is with you. Right, that's a statement of truth. Okay? And uh, he's preparing uh, Gideon. And it's funny, you know, he, God says, mighty man of valor. God gave strength to Gideon the moment he said that statement. In other words, the moment he said, mighty man of valor, strength was commuted to Gideon. Okay? 
And uh, we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God told Paul, when Paul was facing the challenge, what did God say? My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect when? In weakness. So when you're at your weakest, when you feel the most helpless, that's when God can bring something magnificent out of that situation. And all we have to do is turn and trust. Turn and trust. You've got to realize that when you're in a situation that you can't handle, you've got to let someone else handle it. Amen? Amen. Amen. But sometimes we're reluctant to turn that over to God. And we want to rely on our experience or our knowledge or our expertise. Right? Right. Well, if if you can do it on your expertise, then go for it. But if you can't, then you might want to turn it over to God. Amen? So, he asked two questions here. Why has this happened, and where are the miracles? Gideon wanted to know, why has this happened, and where are the miracles? How many, you, you have to know how to cooperate with God so he can perform a miracle. Did you know that God, um, even though he is God and he can do it, he relies on our cooperation? Well, I don't want to say he relies, but our cooperation is necessary to bring it to pass. You know, God just never says, just step out of the way and let me do it all. He gives men and women instructions. He gives them direction. And when they follow his instructions and direction, then he does the heavy lifting. Say, I am in cooperation with God. Say, God and I are partners. We work together. Did you know the Holy Spirit is a helper, not a doer? We're supposed to be doers. He's our helper for us to do it. He told us to be doers of the word, but he sent the Holy Spirit as a helper. But we want the Holy Spirit to do it all. No, we have a part to play. God didn't call you into the game to sit on the bench. He called you to get in the game. Okay? Okay? So, verse 14, the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this your might, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent you. Okay? That's where he's learning how to cooperate with God. God said he was with them. God said he's sending them. Okay? He didn't just say, get in, just move out of the way so I can do it all. <laughs> Who did God give authority to on this earth? Man. Did he not? Yeah. And man gave control over to the devil. Right? But in Jesus Christ, he gave his control back. Mm-hmm. And any time
time that we need to exercise control on this earth, we can do it in the name of Jesus. Okay? So, miracles are designed to keep you moving forward. Go. Jesus said, go in this fight. He said, stop piddling around and go. Sometimes we need to get our go in us. Did you know that go is the first two letters of the gospel? God wants us to go. Amen? Miracles are designed to get you unstuck, not to get you stuck again. Miracles are not designed to restrict you. They're designed to free you. So that you can go, so that you can progress, so that you can move. When Jesus encountered the man at the pool of Bethesda, he'd been stuck for 38 years. 38 years, he couldn't even make a step. He couldn't even move forward. He was relying on someone. He was stuck for 38 years, and in one moment, God got him unstuck. He didn't even have to use the water. Know that? Jesus said, just pick up your mat and go. The man had been waiting for 38 years to pick up his mat and go because he wanted someone else to do it for him. And he got a miracle that day. So the Lord answered Gideon's question by providing him with an opportunity to hook up with him and move forward. There are times to stand still, but then there are times to move. Okay? Go, you shall save Israel from the Midianites. God sent him. Saving Israel from the Midianites was a miracle that God worked. God is giving him the plan of a miracle, and Gideon doesn't even know it yet. So the Lord looked. The Lord looked at him. This was a settled, pleasant countenance as a testimony of his favor. You know when the Lord looks at you, he loves you? You know when the Lord looks at you, he's for you? You know when the Lord looks at you, you've got all of his resources. Amen? And you can tell how he's looking at you to determine what he means. You will know, you will understand what the Lord means when he looks at you. Right? Peter understood when the Lord looked at him after he had denied him three times what he, under, he understood. Right? He wept bitterly. Because the Lord looked at him and he looked at the Lord and he realized what he had done. And he, he fully understood the look of the Lord. And he realized that there was a time when Peter went back to fishing. He stopped calling himself Peter and he started calling himself son of Jonah. But God pulled him out. Amen? Amen? In other words, this look, when, when the Lord looked at him, he was telling Gideon that he was ready to help him. I'm here. I'm ready to help you. We're going to do this together. We're going to work a miracle. Amen? Where do where miracles work? In our midst, amongst people, right? Okay. In other words, the Lord ordered him. In other words, the Lord looked straight at him. Okay? And then, uh, verse 14, he gave him an instruction. Go in this might, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. 
Miracles come about by following divine instructions. Miracles come about by following, let me say following, following. divine instructions. Did you know if Gideon would have added to the Lord's instructions, he would have disrupted the miracle? Just think about just do it as he says it. Amen? Say, I'm going to do it as the Lord says it. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. If God gives you a word, don't make a sentence. If God gives you a sentence, don't make it a new story. Right? Just take God at His word. Amen? And just hook up with God. Anybody can hook up with God at any time that He opens the door. This is what God wants. Okay? He said, go in the strength. Go with your determination. You'll rescue Israel from Midian with the strength you have. When, when did Gideon get strength? When the Lord said, mighty man of valor. The word declared him how the word saw him, not how he was. Not how he felt. Amen? Gideon had all the strength he needed in the words, mighty man of valor. He didn't need any more strength. He didn't have to work out in the plates. The moment the Lord spoke that one word, that one phrase, Gideon had all the strength that he needed. Amen? So, God takes men as they are, and he makes them what they're not. Aren't you glad God takes you as you are? But he doesn't leave you that way. He makes you into something that you're not. I mean, think about it. Gideon was hiding. He had low self-esteem. He didn't think much of himself. He didn't think much of his position in his family. He didn't think much of his clan. I'm of the smallest clan. I'm the smallest in my family. <laughs> but God made him a mighty man of valor. You know, sometimes God thinks of you differently than you think of yourself. And it would behoove you to hook up with what God thinks about you and agree with it. After all, whose opinion is going to last forever? God's opinion. Say, I am. What God says I am. Say, I am. What God says I am. I can do. What God says I can do. Amen. I can see people are getting free already. He had the power of the Lord's commission. It's, it's kind of like when God spoke to Moses. He said, I want you to go deliver it. Israel. He had the strength in his commission. Moses had all the ability that he needed to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go, in that one statement from God. But, in Moses' case, he chose to argue with God. And he was giving God excuses. Say, excuses are useless. God doesn't care about your excuses because God will answer every one of your excuses. Did you know that Moses ran out of excuses? God answered them all. 
But the longer Moses gave excuses, the more angry God got. Because when you're giving, when God tells you something, and you're giving God an excuse why you can't do what He says, you're, you're calling God a liar. Yes, I said that. When you disagree with God, you're calling Him a liar. You're saying, "Why well, know more than Him? We don't know more than Him." Amen. So Gideon was stirred to up to undertake something great. Are you guys stirred to do something great with God? God God will stir your heart to do something great, something impossible, something wonderful, something marvelous, something called a miracle. My goodness. Although Gideon was initially weak in faith, but God met him where he was, didn't he? Yes. God didn't point the finger at him and say, oh, Gideon, oh, Gideon, oh, Gideon. No. He worked with Gideon. He even let Gideon put out a fleece. <laughs> oh, if you make the wool wet and the ground dry and the ground wet and the wool dry, guess what? We don't need to put out fleeces. That. God allowed him to do that that one time. We need to listen to the Holy Ghost. God speaks to us directly. You don't have to put out a fleece. You don't have to say, well, God, if you you bring this song on the radio at this time, then I know you're speaking to me. No. He speaks to you directly. You're his child. He speaks to you by the Holy Ghost. Stop relying on these external things to hear God's voice. Just close your eyes. Get rid of some distractions and listen to him. Amen. And he will speak. He has a voice. Yes. So with, with his sending, he gave Gideon sufficient power to do the job. Yes. Gideon had the strength he needed the moment the Lord appeared to him and spoke to him. Alright? And, and look at verse 15. And Gideon said, he said to him, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? He's like, I'm insufficient. I don't have the goods. He said, My family is poor in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. (laughs) And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall smite the Midianites as well. Now, let me just go back to the beginning of the chapter for a moment, and let's get an understanding of what was happening and why all this stuff was taking place. Okay? And then I'm gonna I'm gonna finish in a few moments. It'll be less than five minutes. Alright? Look at verse one. Of chapter 6. You know, sometimes it would be pretty obvious as to why we're in the situation that we're in. Other times it's not so obvious as to how we got there. You know, sometimes it's an attack of the enemy. Right? Like, uh, the, the one time I was at my house and 
I was pulling weeds from my backyard. And in our backyard, we have the most devilish things called railroad ties. And as I was pulling weeds from the railroad ties, up from the ground came a group of assassin hornets. And they were stirred up because I was messing with their home, but I didn't know that until they came out of that hole and attacked me. And it was a hot day, and I ran to the front of my house. I was brushing them off of me. Okay? Now, I've been stung by wasps. I've been stung by bees. I have no allergies, but I don't know how many times I was stung, but I know that they did pull several stingers out of my back at the hospital. I got into my kitchen, and I felt like all the air out of a tire had been let out. And I felt like this. And I, I was trying to make it to my bedroom, and I passed out in my kitchen floor. Thank God I missed the corner of the uh, shelf. But I'm, I'm, I'm laying on the floor, and I'm groggy. And I get on the phone, and Gabriel was at the neighbor's. And I call Fiona, and I'm swearing my words. And she's like, <laughs> she comes and takes me to the hospital. And I was in a predicament. You know, they actually measured my heart, and as much venom as I got from the hornets, I had a slight heart attack. Because they did that test where they, they test uh, whatever I forget. But uh, I only spent one day in the hospital. Why? Because I have a deliverer. I have a miracle worker. Amen? And in that particular case, I found myself in a situation that I didn't choose, that just kind of came up. I didn't plan for it, it just kind of came up. But you know what? God brought me through it. Amen? And uh, then I took some, when I got home, I took some evasive action to uh, evacuate the hornets. This was many years ago. Yes, this was in 2008. The one year I passed out twice in my life. <laughs> Once I got hit by a van and got stung by hands. That was interesting to hear. But both times I didn't spend more than a day in the hospital. Can you say amen? amen. Okay. I gotta get this done, then I gotta say something, then we're done. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for how long? Seven years. And the hand of the Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Doing evil invites defeat. Doing evil invites defeat. Doing evil puts you against God. And that can even be complaining. What did God call the report of the, of the ten spies? Evil. Why? Because it contradicted God. Doing evil is a pit filled with all kinds of negative junk. Okay? You don't want to be there. But once evil has been done, okay, repentance is necessary to realign with God 
so that he can do something great to get you out of the mess. And when we repent, we recognize our wrong and we're willing to make it right. Say, I recognize my wrong, but I'm willing to make it right. Right? That's repentance. It means you go back to where you started. Okay? So, Israel was reduced to live in dens, caves, and in the mountain for seven years. And every time they sowed, they did all the work of plowing and planting, but they couldn't reap for seven years. The Midianites, the Amorites, and the people from the east would come in, and they would take all the harvest, they would take all the cattle, all the sheep, they'd destroy the produce, and left Israel with nothing. Okay? Alright? And uh, Israel didn't even have sheep, ox, or donkey. If you don't sow, your seed can't grow. So if you're ever tempted not to sow, that's an enemy trying to get your harvest. He's trying to stop your harvest. He's trying to steal your harvest. Don't listen to him. Okay? Alright? And uh, Israel was, verse 6, Israel was greatly impoverished. And in their property, they cried to the Lord. How many of they're about to turn things around? Yeah. The moment you cry out to God, things will turn around. Yeah. Okay? So they cried out to God. God sent a prophet. Right? He reminded them of what God did in Egypt. Delivering them out of bondage. Delivering them out of the Egyptians. And of all their oppression. Right? But he gave them this message in verse 10. He is the Lord your God. you got to know who's God. And then he said, don't fear the gods of the Amorites. You have not obeyed the Lord's voice. Now, we don't want to hear that, but this was true. The reason this all was happening is they didn't obey God's voice. Okay? And then Israel did evil in God's sight. They did not listen to God's voice. Okay? Now, I'm going to finish with these statements tonight. Okay? So this is what the Lord gave me. Miracles occur when God's riches meet your poverty. When God's riches meet your poverty. Okay? Miracles occur when God's power meets your weakness. Listen, there's about to be an explosion. Because God's about to meet, God's sufficiency is going to meet your insufficiency and turn it all around. God's healing is going to meet your sickness and turn it all around. Okay? Miracles occur when God's glory touches your story. Miracles occur. He meets you where you are. Just like the father hugging the prodigal son that smelled like pigs. He didn't even say, son, you stink. He hugged them. He loved them. He welcomed them. He clothed them. He roped them. Amen? He got there in the stench so that he could bring them out. God's miracles occur when God's health meets your sickness. Okay? Miracles occur when God's goodness meets your depravity. We're about to have a meeting tonight. Amen? Are you guys ready to have a meeting? Miracles occur when God's supply meets your emptiness and it causes overflow. Oh, glory to God. Miracles occur when God's presence shows up in your atmosphere. Where you are. Where you are. Dealing with the stuff. Overwhelmed. 
when God's ears hear your cry. Amen? Amen. And we're going to learn more about miracles. This is just the foundation. If the foundation gets you this excited, wait till the building comes. Oh my goodness. Say, something is about to happen in this place. Say, something is about to happen in my life. Say, something is happening in my situation. Say, I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my hands. I feel it in my feet.
came out of comfort for was seven thousand dollars less than one place, three thousand five hundred less than another place. Amen. I felt like we needed to get another estimate. 